Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly Drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. Yeah, basically we're just regular dudes drinking irregular beers, talking about Magic the Gathering, and specifically their new-ish client, MTG Arena. Yeah, and we have a new set to talk about this week. Yeah, boy! Finally! Finally. Um, we don't usually feel that way about new sets, do we? But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> most of I think it's more about the old stuff leaving. But yeah, maybe that's that's it. what makes this one feel more momentous. Yeah, that's true. So um, we are going to talk all about uh, the new set, Innistrad Midnight Hunt, and do a little set review for you. But first, each week we both bring a beer, we drink our own, then drink each other's, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what's on tap? So I brought something called Voyager by Renaissance Brewing Company. It's a 6% IPA, and what really struck me about this is that it's out of New Zealand. Oh. Uh, yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. It also has like a pure black can, Ooh. and this teal logo looks very sleek. Those are, those are so cool. I have brought Instigator by Indie Ale House, the brewing company. It's a West Coast IPA at 6.5%, and it has the scariest looking man on the front I've ever seen. Um, horrifying <laughs> art. Uh, so anyway, that's it, it, it reminds me of Innistrad. That's kind of a reason why I brought it today. There so, you go. Um, yeah. Mine was black, so. Yeah, you know. and mine has a scary villager <laughs> man, probably. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Magic news. This is it. This is the news. There's a new set. It's exciting. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Midnight Hunt uh, is coming out on Thursday for us arena folk. Yes, just another reason to play arena because you get the sets before everybody else. Yeah, like a noticeable amount of time before, you know? Mm -hmm. When the actual paper pre-releases happen, I'm like, oh man, I'm so tired of drafting that set already. Yeah, like, oh my God. Or like, <laughs> when people are like getting their boxes and cracking them, you're like, I already have like a ton of the cards already. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I've played in several events. Yeah, I'm ready for the next thing to come out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Jeff, I just want to have a special segment today um, yes. for Worth a Slot. Uh because we are saying goodbye to some cards that were worth a slot. Um, as it turns out. It, yeah. As it turns out. Uh, as everyone knows, rotation is coming up right now, so we're going to have a new standard, and we're losing four sets. Um, most notably, Throne of Eldraine, which was probably the, yeah. the most worth a slot set ever. I don't know. Definitely, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely up there for standard dominance as far as since I've played. It, yeah, I don't. I can't remember a set that was this strong and had to have so mm -hmm. many cards banned, and it still was on top. So yeah, so that's what I'm saying. We even get more. It feels like we're getting more new cards because this rotation is going to like unban cards from the past four sets. <laughs> exactly. That, like, oh, we like, can... well, can't play that. There's Bone Crusher Giant in the format <laughs> and all that. So uh, this is just a little farewell to our uh, adventure creatures and uh, everything that was yeah. in Eldraine. Uh, all the into the stories and drowned in the locks. Um, goodbye. Goodbye forever. Yeah. So a lot of other, especially digital card games, when they have their formats, what they have is like a base set. And so these cards would just always be in standard. Mm -hmm. And then standard would be like the base set and then the three newest sets or something. 
So I was half expecting Wizards to just announce that they're adopting this model with Throne of Draenus, <laughs> Throne of Eldraine as the standard base set. Oh dear God, Magic the Eldraine, Jesus, that would be so. <laughs> now you can play Bone Crusher Giant and Love Struck Beast forever. forever. Oh man, that would be rough. Um, <laughs> I have been sad. Uh, I have been playing Rogues the last couple days just to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took a really old list that PV had from a long time ago. So it's like oh, really nice. stale. <laughs> Get that stale nostalgia rogues. factor going. Yeah, just to be like, oh man, I used to I used to play these. Oh, so nice. Man. That was like the list we first built on the podcast. Account. Yeah, basically. So um, that's been, you know, that has been kind of sad. Everything else I can just... I yeah, and I think we might be two of the only people that are going to miss rogues. But I think so. I really think so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, farewell. Also to the yeah. other sets that we couldn't really play and whatever. Um, yeah. Like Theros. I guess companions are leaving too. Yeah, companions are gone. Bye, Theros. Um, <laughs> barely got to see some of the cards yeah. from there. But anyway, I just want to give a moment to uh, to rotation. Also, don't forget, there's like a rotation egg that you get. With a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe I read an article, you have to log into your account before they do the renewal for the new set on Thursday to get it. Something weird like that. Right. So just keep logging in. Make sure you get your rewards. Yeah, but you had like a pretty big window, I think. Because I think I got it like last week or maybe even before that. Oh, did you? It, well, it didn't give it to me, but it's in my account waiting to be opened when I log in oh, Thursday or whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah, so if you go to your profile, it, there should be an egg there if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, anyway, give you some uh, some goodies since uh, just to help jumpstart you into the, the – well, not jumpstart you, but uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> Get you ready for the next set. Yeah. Okay. Jeff, are we ready to, to jump right into this Midnight Hunt? Yeah, this, this set looks super cool. I'm excited to, to talk about it. Sweet. So, um, as we said before, this is the third time we're going to be in Innistrad. Um, so I just wanted to talk about some of the mechanics that we're seeing, whether they're returning or um, they're brand new to this one, uh, and kind of how we feel about them, whether they're, like, you know, just limited or they're going to be in standard and historic. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, let's just jump right into the, the main one, I guess, which is... Uh, kind of returning what do you what would you say about this this is like the one that's you know it's both returning and not returning because they're taking an old mechanic but updating it in a few different in crucial ways yeah um but it is basically it's the werewolf mechanic it's the theme of the set and so it's called Daybound and nightbound so basically if you played during original innistrad it'll look familiar but the idea is that the werewolves all transform out of their human form and into their wolf form at night, and then the day they transform back. And so they needed a mechanical way to kind of track this. And so what they did was, okay, if somebody plays no spells, I guess that means it's because they're going to sleep or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) That makes it night. And then if they play two or more spells, they're very active, so it must be daytime. And so it's the game switches that way. And what was basically what happened last time is every werewolf came in during its original form. And then if it switched to night, it didn't explicitly say night, but it, oh, if a player doesn't cast any spells, uh, then it'll transform. And so you'd have some werewolves that were in their human form and some that were in their wolf form. Yeah. Uh, so flavor-wise, it could be kind of strange. We're like, 
all the werewolves that are out, all your werewolves, they're all like their nighttime versions. And then you play the day version of one of them so they don't really kind of fit flavorfully. Um, but they all had different sleep schedules. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> some had like blackout shades and stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but this time, now uh, we actually have it so that um, if it's day, the board knows it's day. And if it's night, the board knows it's night. Um, mm -hmm. And this is a kind of thing that isn't part of the game until it's introduced to the game through the cards. Um, so it can be kind of strange. And some of the wording can get a little tricky. So when we get into that, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Um, about the specific things. But the biggest change with the werewolf stuff is that if it's nighttime and you play a werewolf into the night, it will be the nightbound version when it comes enters the battlefield. Right. So on the stack, it'll so, be the human, but when it hits the battlefield, it'll be the flip side, which is good. That's quite good. Yeah, it's a good, good change. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be tricky because the backsides are in general a lot more powerful so it's like you got to be worried if you're against werewolves and it's nighttime yeah um especially because there's a lot of cards that beef up during nighttime as well um mm -hmm. so it, the important thing is that it will only change if a player plays no spells or two spells during their own turn so before right. that's the other big difference yeah so before <laughs> you could have played instance on your opponent's turn to keep their their werewolves from flipping because it was just if spells were cast in a turn this way right it's if nobody cast a spell yeah so this way you have control over you like the day and night stuff a bit better it kind of benefits the werewolf player a bit more because not only that but they can now play two spells on their opponent's turn Mm -hmm. to have to make sure they're using all their mana in a turn and not flipping all their werewolves back to human and like souping them, them down to. and stuff um mm -hmm. so i think this is a great change i was like yeah and and i know that mark rosewater has talked in his his blog and in his podcast and stuff about this is initially how they wanted the mechanic to work and i think this mm -hmm. is one of those arena changes where it's like we can do this a lot easier now because we can show it on arena and it'll just work and it doesn't seem as confusing to try to do it in paper, possibly. Um, so, right. I mean, great for us. Love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They probably just decided, like, you know, because some weird stuff can happen. Let's say I play a werewolf, and then that werewolf dies. But because I played that werewolf, you know, the whole day-night scheme is kicked into gear. And then um, we just have to track that. What I'm saying is you could have to track day and night when nothing cares about it. Mm-hmm. Because, like, once you set it into motion, it's in motion. It's either day or night. Exactly. And I guess it's worth mentioning that before you do something, it's neither. Yeah. It's like the original game state is neither. So it's not like I pass on turn one and it's like, oh, nighttime now because you didn't cast anything. Yeah. No, it's just you play a regular game of magic until something tells you it's either day or night and then you continue. Mm -hmm. um, right. Also, good to note that when you play a daybound card, uh, so the human side of a werewolf, um, it doesn't become day. It just has day bound. That's it. So you're not like changing it by playing a day bound card. It won't be like, it's daytime now. That's not how that works. Oh, no? No. Um, oh, that's weird. Because if, if it was night when it was coming into play, it would flip. And it doesn't flip into night until it's on the battlefield and realizes it's time to be night. Because even if it's on its front face a human and it's like day, it doesn't register that it's day because nothing's told it it's time to be day. 
Do you know what I mean? Unless you have a card that says whether it's day or night, or if it's neither day nor night, it is now day. Those cards will do right. that. The other ones will not because there's nothing that triggers it to tell it to be daytime. Because huh. all the werewolves will trigger to tell you that it's nighttime, and then the other cards that aren't the werewolves will trigger when they enter to tell you that it's daytime. It's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, that's strange. Yeah, it's a little... I feel like they didn't need to do that. Yeah, be- because... <laughs> I don't know why it's super important they did it that way, but for some reason they did that because if a human is entering and it's not daytime, it'll if it's nighttime, they'll flip and just be a werewolf. Anyway, there's some weird stuff. Um, huh. But uh, luckily for us... Right, it won't, it won't change it to day. Yeah. I feel like Daybound should just have a rider that's like, if it's neither day nor night, it becomes day. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. Um, but we'll also figure it out when it... when uh, We'll find when, out when we play one on Arena, because I'm not sure you're right about it. But that. I also don't know why it would matter, right? Because if it comes in, like, it won't matter if it's day. I guess if you play a werewolf and then you... Or a human that has day bound, and then they try to play a thing that says if it's neither day nor night, it becomes day, and then it just wouldn't mm-hmm. become day because it was already day. I don't know. Um, I, there might be some weird corner cases, but I'm really happy that Arena is going to deal with it for us, and I don't have yeah, to. Yeah, this is what we were talking about, I guess, that this is why they didn't do it this way the first time. Yeah, so initially it seems really easy, but then once you get to some of the nitty-gritty stuff, it gets a, a bit harder. <laughs> <It's>, right. <laughs> um, so yeah. anyway, it'll be much more clear once we start playing, um, and you'll, you'll kind of get the hang of things. But just remember, there are some cards that... Uh, they become better or become worse whether you want to double spell or not spell in the turn. Yeah, you're going to have to focus. Like That's actually going to be a factor kind of uh, in your decision-making where normally you'd be like, well, it doesn't matter if I cast one or two spells in a turn, but now you're going to have to sequence with that in mind. Yeah. Maybe I don't want to cast two spells this turn. I'll cast my instant on their turn and my spell on my turn. Exactly. Because a lot of the time the rule is if you can double spell, do it. Like if you're right. you're trying to Especially make sure. Especially limited. Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to make sure you can do that. Now, that's not the case. Not necessarily. <laughs> or, or figuring out sequences where you're like, I have to double spell to turn their stuff back so that I don't die in the crackback soon <laughs> or whatever. Um, right. So it's going to be, it's, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what goes on with this. But Yeah. Like, like we said, this mechanic was basically a smash hit the first time like people loved the whole werewolf thing because even though it didn't quite work perfectly flavorfully and they've just updated that and now it just is better like i think the change especially of i can't screw up your werewolves by like shocking you in the face or whatever yeah or something like Um, that so i i would personally like them to just errata the other ones and just make mm-hmm. them all this way. I was hoping for like some remakes, like just give me Huntmaster of the Fells again, but not but, with Daybound and Nightbound. Yeah, that would but. be nice. Um, some people were upset about Moon Mist, which is a card that basically says it's like one in a green for a sorcery that says you transform all the werewolves right. into their wolf yeah. versions, <laughs> and then they can all attack, which is like a cool card if that's how that works. But now it's like you would never have. It would basically be a card that says it's nighttime now. <laughs> yeah, they they made that card to kind of acknowledge that they didn't do this whole day and night thing perfectly. Yeah. Right? Um, so I'm fine with just getting rid of Moon Mist, making all the, the yep. werewolves work exactly the same, um, and then bring them onto Arena. Let's do it. 
Or yeah, Errata Moon Mist too. Fuck it. And That's it just true. says, if it's not night, it is now night. Yeah. <clears throat> so, perfect. I mean, yeah, might as well. We could do all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so this is a mechanic that has been, um, you know, beloved by many. And it's not just a limited mechanic. That's part of what we want to talk about today is what we think. I think that this could actually... There should be some cards that, that could fit into Constructed. Oh, there's some pushed werewolves. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some sweet stuff. So it's not just going to be like, a, oh, it's a fun day-night thing when you play Limited. It'll be like, this is, right. is going to be a thing. And I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm ready. Yeah, like even if, I don't know if Werewolf Tribal itself is going to be, you know, a Tier 1 deck. It could be. It has a lot of strong cards Pieces. for sure. But definitely there are some werewolves that are just so powerful that they will see play in decks that have those colors. And are there any werewolves that you're, you wanted to talk about, but you did not want to save for next week with the worthless one? Mm, that is hard. Uh, I kind of do. Um, let me actually read this card before I talk about it. because <laughs> Yeah, before you just say it's going to be taking over standard. Um. While you're doing that, too, I just want to say one cool thing about this set is that uh, every color has at least one werewolf, but they're primarily in green or red. But it's cool to see, like, a white werewolf and a black werewolf. Yeah. There's a few black werewolves, and then there's, a, I think, just one blue werewolf. But. Yeah, I did want to mention that, um, so not just with the werewolves, but with the transform cards altogether, I think they did a really good job of making sure that the script on whether something transforms into the other side isn't always bad. Like, most of the time it's like, oh, it's a human, and then, oh, they turn into a werewolf at night, or they turned into a vampire, or they died, and now they're a ghost or something. There are right. some white cards that are like, oh, they were human, and then their partner died or something, and now they're like this knight that's fighting evil because they've been transformed right. into this hero. And I thought that was really cool, that the way that they they were able to um, add a new flavor of what transforming into something else could be. Um, tells a bit, it tells another story. Or there's even the, like, blue guy who, <clears throat> he did die and become a ghost, but he apparently was kind of a douche in life and just a very nice in death. It's like malevolent hermit and benevolent spirit. Oh, yeah. And so it's like, yeah, he died and became a ghost, but, like, he's a nice person. He's a nice entity now. Yeah, he before he was before. he was terrible. Um, so I do like that. It's just kind of um, it's nice, you know. I feel like we've we've seen a lot of like the oh no, and and she looks so sad and whatever, but actually mm -hmm. she's this vampire succubus thing, you know. Um, so it's it's cool to cool to see some righteous transformation. Then you look things. at the black cards, and it's all like sacrificing themselves to summon. Demons, demons. <laughs> tricked them into. You know, like, that's just classic. That, that, that's so classic. Yeah, you need those. Yeah. You need those. <laughs> um, so I just want to talk about this card with you. I don't. I don't know if this okay. is going to be great for for standard. I guess necessarily, um, but it is mm -hmm. one of the werewolves that I was looking at just because it seemed it jumped out at me because it's actually black. Uh, so it's oh, yeah. Graveyard Trespasser, which is two and a black for mm -hmm. a three, three human werewolf. And it has Ward discard a card. So I was already excited about the, uh, the last Ward discard a card guy we had that was just like a mm -hmm. limited bomb and like not really played and constructed. So I want to see if this 
you know, if Ward discarded card could be constructed, because I really think it should be, you know? <laughs> I mean, like a card. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a powerful ability. Yeah, so it feels strong. And it has Daybound, because it's a human werewolf, so like almost all the werewolves have. Uh, it says, whenever a graveyard trespasser enters the battlefield or attacks, exile up to one target card from a graveyard. If a creature card was exiled this way, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. All right. So, you know, that'll come up every once in a while. I don't necessarily know it's mm-hmm. going to be like this great piece. We don't have a ton of, of graveyard creature things right now. Um, right. But then the flip side is just uh, basically the same thing, but it's a 4-4. And whenever it enters the battlefield or attacks, exile up to two cards from graveyard. And for each creature card this way, each opponent loses one life, gain one life. So I, I don't know if this could possibly be, if there is a graveyard creature-heavy strategy, um, it would be helpful against that. But still, I think like a 3-3 three, three for 3 that needs to, to be 2 for one For sure. That turns into a 4-4. Four, four. That also needs to and be like two for e- one. Even if you're not like attacking their strategy, like let's just say you're playing against Gruul and they, have, they don't care about their graveyard at all. Mm-hmm. When this attacks, it's draining them for two because they're going to have creatures in their graveyard and then swinging as a 4-4. Like, that is a lot of damage. It's, you know, this thing hits hard. Yeah, so... And, again, it's black, so that's cool. So it, yeah. <laughs> black werewolf. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the ones I'm excited about, too. I think it could definitely see standard play. And then, you know, there's a lot of graveyard stuff in this set. So it's nice to have the natural backstop against that, just built into like a 3-3 with a pretty good ability. Yeah, exactly. Also, we have, I know a lot of people have been talking about this card, and um, Mm -hmm. I just want to like touch on it, because I haven't played with the other one very much, but it's it's always fun to see callbacks to like old cards from other Innistrad sets, but it's uh, (laughs) Smoldering Egg. Have you been oh, yeah. looking at this card? <laughs> right? So it's one in red for 04 Dragon Egg with Defender. And it's similar to Thing in the Ice is kind of the joke because it cares about instants and sorcery. So whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a number of Ember counters on Smoldering Egg equal to the amount of mana spent to cast that spell. Then if Smoldering Egg has seven or more Ember counters on it, remove them and transform it into Ashmouth mm-hmm. Dragon, which is a 4-4 Dragon with Flying. And whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, it deals two damage to any target. Yeah, this card looks really good, too. I don't know if we'll get there in standard, because these types... The weird thing about this card is that you want a whole bunch of cheap instants and sorceries to make the best use of the back half, but then those take forever to flip it in the first place. Exactly. So <laughs> it's kind of an interesting design, this this thing in the fire here. Yeah, uh, oh, thing in the fire. I was thinking thing in the egg. <laughs> But, again, but it's like a smoldering egg, you know? That's so true, it's, that's true. It's the opposite of thing in the ice, where it's now the thing in the the container of fire. That's true, that's really, that, that's very true. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it is funny where it wants you to play big spells at the beginning and then small spells afterwards, which is so right. <laughs> opposite of how the game works. <laughs> and I think this is worse than thing of the ice, thing in the ice was, but um, probably a better design. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I like this card. I mean, I liked Thing in the Ice. Because that... It just... I mean, I loved Thing in the Ice, yeah. but when you played against that deck, you didn't love it, because it was like, that was too easy for you to flip and bounce everything and attack me for seven. Like Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It, I I loved I loved that card a lot. But, uh... <laughs> so, <laughs> anything that reminds me of it, I'm like, ooh, here we go. 
Yeah, really cool design. Um, are there any transforming type of cards you want to talk about before we get to the next mechanic? Like any transformer, huh? Not just werewolves? You could do anything. Besides anything, what we're literally, anything I want, what we're literally, yeah, about to except talk the about. ones we just talked about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean the the only thing that I guess you know, like you were saying, the callbacks. Uh, we have the Delver reprint in this. Set. Yes. Um, so that's really cool that they did that, and to me, this is something that Magic, like the designers in R and D, like to do is like give you a card that was really good before, in a new set and have it just not be good, and I kind of think that's what they're doing here. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're going to make a good standard deck built around Delver of Secrets this time around, because the support just doesn't there. Yeah. But it's really cool that they reprinted that. I think that was a really cute uh, idea for them to, to do. I think it's really cool, but I also think it's funny because this could have been a big reason why Brainstorm got banned in Historic. Because they're like, well, True. we do yeah. have Delver of Secrets coming up soon, so maybe we should just get rid of it now. Like, if Brainstorm seems like a totally. problem, do it after this tournament so we don't have to have, you know, emergency do it later. And maybe this still sees play in Historic, I don't know. Um, it kind of seems like it's worse than the, the red version that they have, the, the red Yeah, the Dragon Rage uh, Channeler. Right. Um, but I don't know, maybe you play both, or maybe it's, it's two of these as your extra one drops your extra versions of dragon rage channel yeah or something. I don't know. But yeah possibly i feel like that's what a lot of people are talking about so we'll uh, we'll see but i think that is that is true it's, it's fun to see a card come back and then be like oh it was actually the the environment things are kind of brought into is very important uh it's very yeah. similar to like would michael jordan be as good without scotty pippen kind of thing you know mm -hmm. um that, that kind of stuff where you're like, yeah, they were really great, and you remember the one card, but you forget some of the other players that were part of it that made it what it is, and also what it was combating. Like, wasn't wasn't Pond, Ponder in Standard when this was in it last? It's like... I don't know. It's one of the best cantrips ever. <laughs> Maybe. We don't have cards like that in Standard anymore. No, no, no. Um, but we could consider... <laughs> and it had the Phyrexian mana. It had, like, gut shots and stuff oh, like that. Oh, right, so right, right. literally just free. Yeah. And you're like, oh, might as well just have those free things. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, anyway, so, uh, this is one of those cards that is interesting now to see it because through its iterations, its iterations, basically what I mean is like, it was printed as Delver of Secrets. And then later on, I, I don't, I think it might've been later on in the first Nistrad block, they made, oh no, was it? I think it was when that we came back to Shadows, they had like continued to transform the, uh, the actual uh, w wizard yeah, that turned into a... Yeah, the same character, I guess. Yeah, it was like... It was like a bigger version of Delver. So it was basically yeah. like the Delver turns into like the insect thing and then the insect thing slowly becomes stronger and then in the last iteration it starts to like spawn more 1-1 one, one wizards that then get plus oh, yeah, 2 right. plus 1 that ha and then have flying so it turns them into the flip side uh, of Delver mm -hmm. Secrets. Um, it's a, it was a fun little uh, story through the different Yeah, that was, that was cool when they did that. I don't think that card saw any play at all. No, 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 At no, least no. outside of Commander. I, I played it in a Wizard Tribal Commander deck, so <laughs> that's, yeah. that's why I know it. But, <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, let's move on to the next mechanic, shall we? Um, sure. So the next new one we have is Disturb. And it's another transforming mechanic, but it's doing it a different way. 
So basically, mm -hmm. Disturb is on different creatures, and uh, you so you play the creature like you normally would when they die, or if you discard them, if they're ever in your graveyard, basically, you can cast them from your graveyard with their Disturb cost, and then they come onto the battlefield flipped upside down into like a ghost version of whatever creature that was. And they all have the same, most of them have flying, and they all have the same clause that just says, if this would die, exile it. Or if it would be moved right, from so anywhere. It doesn't happen indefinitely. Exactly. You don't have to kill this thing over really many times. Yes, yeah, exactly. Just twice. Just twice. <laughs> that's, that's not so bad. Yeah. Um, the kind of cool thing about this is that the disturbed creatures are usually not stronger than the their human versions. Um, right, I found that interesting as well. Which so is it's not like you're transforming into a stronger ghost. It's usually like... Yeah, it's usually on raw stats, at least it's a weaker card. Yeah, for the most part. Um, it's not always true, but like you lose something, either like your toughness is smaller and you sacrifice that for something or whatever, mm -hmm. um, which is a nice contrast to the, the werewolves where they always get bigger because obviously they're werewolves, so they should right. get bigger. <laughs> That'd be a bit of a flavor fail, but it, I feel like it makes sense when it's coming back as a ghost, but it's not as strong. Mm -hmm. It might do some other ability or it has flying, you yeah. know, but it it's not as physically strong. Exactly. Um, and so this mechanic, for the most part, it seems, um, you know, it seems good. I mean, it seems like you're just going to get some value. I don't really see it being super playable um, in, in Constructed, besides maybe a couple rares. Yeah, like there's a few that were clearly pushed, but even those weren't pushed that hard. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a few cards that maybe I could see it. But for the most part, this is just going to be a limited mechanic. Yeah. And I think as far as limited mechanics go, it's going to be an awesome one. Oh, for sure. Like, Absolutely. Like, casting your creatures twice in limited is huge. Like, that is very powerful. Especially them, I do think it is important that them coming back transformed and different is very valuable, actually. Because it... Right. it reminds me of Embalm from Amonkhet. Now, that limited format mm -hmm. was really fast, so it you know, that strategy wasn't as um, uh, strong in it. But the fact that you're not just getting the same stats back, at least it's it's either... Um, uh, almost, they almost all have evasion. So that really becomes a huge right. part where you're like, well, either I block on the ground or I lose it on the ground or whatever. But now I have a flyer that's a two power or something. You're like, sweet, that's great. I Yeah, totally. Especially since, you know, came for sort of quote-unquote for free. Cause yeah. You would have, you know, almost played the other creature anyways, and that it has this ability that yeah, that adds to it exactly. Yeah, people have been calling it like flashback for creatures, but it's not really right. It's more I think of it as aftermath for creatures because mm -hmm. the aftermath cards were like if you cast them from your hand, they do this thing, and if you cast them from your graveyard the second time, they do something different. That's true. And so that's really what these are. It's like that mechanic, but done for creatures. Instead. Yeah, I guess aftermath that does make a bit more sense. Um, mm -hmm. As far as like, because those are like completely different sides, and a lot of times, uh, no, they do stay. They they say they stay the same color. <laughs> I was gonna say they change color, but they don't. <laughs> Maybe in the next set they will. Um, but yeah, besides that, yeah, um, you know, um, I I don't have a ton to say about Disturb. Well, I really have to play it to see whether I like it or not. That's I, the thing. Like I've never really played this. I've played versions of this, like you're saying with Embalm uh, or with. Uh, the other one eternalized, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but it wasn't really the same thing. No, um, those are also tokens and stuff. So, um, yeah, I wish that they don't always have to have the like if I move zones, I have to be exiled clause written on it. 
It's fine if yeah, it does like that, it, but the fact that every card looks like it does more than it does because it has a clause that says you have to exile me. Yeah, I was thinking that too. They maybe could have baked this into the mechanic somehow, but I guess they decided to do it this way because they're, they're like, there's not a ton of Disturb cards either. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason for that is that it is so strong in Limited that you can't just have every creature have Disturb. The games will never end. Yeah. So <clears throat> these are going to be pretty high Limited picks in general, I think, and I think people are going to kind of underrate it at first. Um, yes. Because some of the creatures look a little anemic at, at first glance, but then you realize that having Disturb is like a huge boon. Exactly. Because people already know that having Flashback is really great, so you should also... Yeah, they've learned that lesson already. Yeah, and they just don't see it yet with the... It'll, within the first week, I'm sure that we're going to figure out. We're going to have people being like, oh, mm-hmm. well, Disturb's really good. Yeah, but like you're saying, I'm just excited to play with it. It looks great. Yeah, it looks super great. Um, also, like the other mechanic that we get to play with again is flashback. Holy crap! Woo. I think this yes. this draft format is just going to be like tons and tons of of spells happening over and over again and all this stuff. Yeah. Then I also there's some good aggressive cards in the format yeah. too, just from looking through the commons earlier. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's not going to be all dirtle all the time, which I'm. I'm glad, you know, if if you put these mechanics in and then you make the, that naturally makes the format slower because these are slow mechanics. Mm-hmm. And so it you can get away with leaning some, some of your other cards more aggressive. Exactly. Um, yeah, I love Flashback. I've only really got to play with it, you know, when I've played Modern or something and there's been a card that makes it into your deck with Flashback or, um, you know, like played moments piece or something Mm -hmm. and that was just one card that happened to have flashback in my deck i was never playing when flashback was a mechanic because i wasn't playing during innistrad or during uh time spirals that one the other time they did it they yeah they did it in time spiral (coughs) or during odyssey so or onslaught or whatever the first it was was odyssey Odyssey, yeah yeah um so i'm excited to just play with flashback as a mechanic because it's such a legendary mechanic you know that they've done so many times and i've just happened to miss it every time so i'm excited to have it back here yeah the only thing that's wrong is that they don't have the little tombstones on the uh the i know i love those tombstones yeah i mean i can't believe they changed that yeah because we have the the sun and the moon on the werewolf so we might as well have the tombstones on the flashback cards but that's all right. It's it's not a big deal. It's just my own little pet peeve that I I you know I yeah. just wish. Yeah, I'm sure like there's a good reason for it. Like it, they're just trying to reduce complexity or whatever. Yeah, um, but oh well, whatever. But it was great. And and here's the thing is that that was really handy when you were actually playing because you could look at your graveyard and see if you had a flashback card in it. If you just have the the, names. the titles mm-hmm. showing. Yeah. And you could be like, oh yeah, moments piece, right? But I guess if everything's going arena, you don't need that anymore. Yeah, it'll just be it'll just be right next to you all the time. You'll probably cast it yeah. when you don't need to because you're like, well, I can do this still though. Oh shit! Yeah. The amount of times I do that, where it's like, oh, but I could get value off of this other card. It's like, no, you have three other cards in your hand. You should play. Like it's <laughs> the other one's not as gotta get my value. Yeah, like the, <laughs> don't worry about that right now. I gotta play Satyr's Cunning yeah. for like three. <laughs> get a one. Whenever I can. <laughs> Oh, oh man um but going right into you were talking about aggressive strategies with slower strategies like flashback which we're seeing and and uh, disturb um mm-hmm. this next one is supposed to be the fast one i guess yeah i mean it's like you want you to have a lot of creatures yeah so, so it's coven mm-hmm. um jeff do you want to read what coven does basically or what it is 
Yeah, so actually let me find a card that has the exact text. But basically the idea is that if you control three creatures that all have different power, so power meaning like power and toughness, uh, then a special ability triggers. And they're all a bit different. You know, some of them just get a bonus like lifelink, and some of them have an actual ability that triggers uh, when you do it. So Yeah, so some of them are like when it enters the battlefield, it does something, or a lot of them are like before combat, it gets something uh, if you have that, or you have an activated ability that can only be used if you have coven, basically. So I have dual craft trainer okay, here. here. It's 3-3 three, three for 4, first strike, coven. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if you control three or more creatures with different powers, target creature you control gains double strike until end of turn. Okay. You know. It's worth noting that it, it does this weird double checking kind of thing. Yeah. So this ability is a, is a good example that I wanted to highlight because this will check when it's supposed to trigger at the beginning of combat if you have three creatures with different powers. And then it will also check when that ability is resolving to give double strike. So what that means is if this goes on the stack and then your opponent kills one of your creatures, the creature you targeted with this won't get double strike. Yeah. If they if you have Coven so it triggers, and then they make sure that you don't have Coven so it doesn't trigger, uh, kind of just hoses you. And then maybe that right. ruins your attacks altogether. Right. It like checks both times. Uh, this one, it's hard to get too blown out because this has to resolve at the beginning of combat, so they have to do it before... Blocks uh, and stuff. Like, before you declare attackers, so you don't get blown up. That, that's true, that's true. So, it, yeah, you aren't, like, attacking and it doesn't. Um, but still, it's a, an ability that I have to have at least... Like, besides the one creature I have with Coven, I have to have two other creatures. Um, not always my favorite. Yeah, so that's also not as... Like, if you haven't played with this type of thing before, it's not as easy as it sounds. It's not. Like, you have to have three creatures that all have different powers. And kind of like the like similar to disturb i view this as a limited mechanic like there are a few mythic rares and stuff that are obviously pushed that happen to have coven mm -hmm. but they're not going to see play because of their coven ability because like you're saying if you have two other creatures in constructed like you're doing fine if you have your four four angel and two other creatures and you, you don't do you even need that extra ability to trigger your exactly. kind of crushing um, but in limited it's much more like reasonable that you get into these board stalls or whatever but it's still like how many creatures have a power that's different than one two or three right in limited not that many and so you need kind of the full the, you need the full trio you need one two and three power or you um, need to be doing some sort of shenanigans with plus one plus one counters or, or something like that right exactly so yeah. it's it's it it's hard enough to have an ability that just says, if you have three other creatures, do this thing. Um, now it's they have to have different powers and stuff. So um, the hoops you have to jump through to get to some of the abilities, it doesn't... I, I, I'm ready to be proved wrong. I really want to be proved mm -hmm. wrong in this because it's the ability that I would want to, to play the most, which is the <laughs> attack, just turn everything sideways all the time. But I just don't love what I've seen so far. So we'll have to, as things shake out, I'll see how it comes about, but um, I mean, hey, it might give some really interesting deck building problems when you're putting together your draft deck. You're like, oh, well, I would normally want this card because it's better, but this one has a three and I don't have enough threes or that probably isn't going to be your problem. There's going to be a lot of threes. This one has a four or a one. Those are the ones that you'd kind of want. Um, so, 
you know, maybe. Yeah, I've been trying to keep an eye out for quote-unquote coven enablers, mm -hmm. and they put some support in, for sure. Like, there's more uh, like zero-power creatures than I'm used to seeing in a set. Yes. I and that's a nod to coven. I was going to bring up the uh, the Trapper, because uh, Gavany Trapper mm -hmm. is the one white mana for an O2 human soldier. That It's a tapper, so it, you can pay two to tap it, tap a creature. Um, and right. normally paying two to to a tap a creature on a, that ability is not good. If you have, it's not, it's okay. It, it's usually fine. You yeah. want it to be the best tappers only cost one. It's a tap. Um, or zero. Or zero. Those are the, those are <laughs> the best tend ones. to make those anymore. No, but like <laughs> what we have seen, if, if it's, if, it, if you can pay one generic and tap it or even one color and tap it, um, it's a lot better, and the two is just backbreaking enough that like you can use it, but it's not the best. But this one also has zero power. That being said, right. if you're in an aggressive deck, do you want a one drop that doesn't attack? Like, I don't know. If there's other one drops, just you could to use coven, just yeah. to trigger coven that you have to have not just one but two other cards to make sure it works. Like, I don't think the Trapper is bad, no. but it, I also don't think it's great. So yeah. I don't know. I, I like it, and I like what they've done with it, and they took the opportunity to be like, okay, well, at least the Trapper could be a Covenant Enabler. I like that they thought about that. Because if it was right. like a 1-2 yeah. or something, it'd be like, oh, man, it, uh, it doesn't fit. Cause this is somehow worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, what was it, the adventure creature that was the tapper that was a 1-2, but would have been a lot stronger if it was a 1-1, one, one, so it could enable Love Shrug Beast. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Which is just... Uh, but that one, like, that card was already good. Exactly. So it was like, they, they knew what they, they were doing with that one, too, where they were like, don't make this a 1-1. One, one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, so with Coven, I think I'm, the, the jury's out. I'm going to have to figure it out. But the other ones feel pretty pretty strong i obviously know about flashback and i'm really excited to play with werewolves finally i haven't done yes. it so here we go yeah that's gonna be i'm excited you know like i don't want to sound like we're too harsh on coven it's just that the other three are awesome so it's like that, that, almost no matter which mechanic which aggressive mechanic they decided to put here to balance things out i would not be as excited to play it as i am yeah uh, I think what my feeling is that I've been I've fallen into this trap with abilities like this a lot, where mm -hmm. man it seems so cool because I can have so much fun like making sure my creatures are different powers by putting counters in different places right. and and then like just the tiniest little thread can be pulled out and then your whole plan goes away you know um, yeah exactly and so I'm excited to like use pump spells on my opponent's creatures to mess up their coven and yeah give it plus give their one one plus two plus two or something or, something. or so even like the blue that's like the coolest thing I could imagine hap happening with this yeah is that I pump my opponent's creatures or you're actually playing the blue spell startle the one in the blue that makes it minus two minus zero to like make two of them the like four right. <laughs> four powers exactly actually two power same. now and it has to line up so well <laughs> just Oh, that would be fun. That maybe Just that's got him on every level. Maybe there. that, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna use this card that looks not good. Um, I think that's what I really want to do with Coven is like just show my opponents that I, I don't think they should play it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna lose to some Coven. Oh, decks, though, just because we said that right there, I was gonna lose pretty yeah, bad exactly. to some Coven decks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but Jeff, I mean, like before we get into our next bit, like I my beer is just. Uh, super empty, so I'm ready for the next one. All right, let's take a beer break. Let's take a beer break. 
Man, this dude's face is scary. You were not lying about that. Yeah. He really looks like an unruly mob or something. Yeah. <laughs> A card that will not be featuring in what comes next. Um, ooh. Okay. This Voyager from New Zealand. Very cool. I mean, so I like the color. It's, uh, yeah, the color struck me as soon as I poured it, actually. It wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah, I wasn't expecting this type of uh, color either. I'm going to let the, the head settle a little bit before I really get into it. But Jeff, you know what I really want to get into right now? No, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, limited. All right, yes. so... We just want to talk about some uh, things about Limited. Not that we haven't been talking about Limited this whole time, but uh, <laughs> um, we thought we would give you our picks for top three commons for Limited in each color for the yes. set. So that you can get off to a good start in your drafting. Yeah, or mainly so you can laugh at us later about how wrong we might have been. Yeah, that's more likely. How about this? You can get off to the same start we're going to get off. Yeah, these are our <laughs> picks for best um, commons for each color. But, uh, hey, pick your own. Because you know what? Rating things is hard. It's really hard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you haven't played, like, I don't even know if this set is fast or slow. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't even know which cards you would pick if it's fast or slow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Which> is... <laughs> Um, anyway, so Jeff, how do we start this? How do we get into it? Do we just talk in general about each color and then like dive into our, our ones or we just start talking about them right away? I say we just, we give them the good stuff right away. Perfect. All right. Do you want to go three to one or one to three? That's the main question. Ooh, let's go three to one. I think that sounds good. Yeah. More exciting that way. It, it is a bit more exciting. All right. Do you want to start? Let's start. All right. So with, uh, with white, I think yeah, the third... We'll do, we'll do Wooberg. Yeah, we'll do Wooberg, just because that's how we wrote it down. But um, with white, I think the best card, the third best common... There we go. The, th the third best <laughs> white common. Well, I'm figuring out how to do this. Okay. <laughs> so, I think the third best white common is going to be Search Party Captain. So that's three and a white for a 2-2 two -two human soldier, and it costs one less to cast for each creature you attacked with this turn. And when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a really nice card. I mean, if you're paying full retail for it, four mana, that's a little under rate, probably. Like, I don't think you would really want to pay four mana for a 2-2, even if it draws a card. No. But you only need, like, one other creature to be totally happy with this. And yeah. obviously, if you have more than that, it's amazing. I mean, in AFR, we liked the three mana 2-1 that drew you a card and gained you a li one life. So... This one yeah, could, that guy was a house. Exactly. So this one could, a lot of the time in those aggressive decks, will be at least reduced to three, but probably two. And for, you know, every once in a while, it's just going to cost you one to draw a card in white. Who knew? Who knew you could do yeah. that? Not <laughs> what me. A, what a time to be alive. I know, right? <laughs> uh, uh, so my pick for the third best white comment was also Search Party. Captain, hey. So. All right. So we're on the same page. That's good. Yeah, uh, that card looks great, and I do kind of like how, because one of the things about the Priest was that you'd play him in a control deck as a way to like draw a card, gain a life, and then trade with your opponent's 2-drop or whatever. Mm -hmm. And this card wants you to have creatures, so it, it wants to be the extra fuel for the aggro deck more than it wants to be the, the control deck that gets to trade off with your 2-drop. 
Yeah. I, and, and that's why I like it a lot, too, because obviously I like aggressive decks, so this card's slotting right into that one. Yeah, I just like the design on it a little better, I think, because it's kind of annoying when you're control-playing opponents on the play that they get to two-for-one you with yeah. a stupid creature. That Right. <laughs> it's also really nice that this is the search party captain, but you don't have to investigate. You just get the card immediately. Like, he did all the searching and <laughs> investigating for you. You just get the card right away. Yeah. It's perfect. That's great. I love it. Um, so my second best white common for limited and midnight hunt is going to be candle trap. Uh, Jeff, do you want to read candle trap? Candle trap is an enchantment aura for one white mana. Enchanted creature has defender, so it enchants a creature. Prevent all combat damage that would be dealt by enchanted creature, and then it has coven two and a white sacrifice it to the exile the creature. So. Remember that you can only activate that ability if you have Coven enabled. So this one's pretty interesting, actually. So it's a really cheap removal spell, essentially, in white. Right. So it just costs one just to stop an attacker. Um, however, mm -hmm. it still lets them block. So what we were just talking about was obviously a card that is really good in aggro decks. This one's kind of funny because, you know, if you're making their three drop, if you know, their three three is now like an 03 essentially defender um it still blocks your tutu all day <laughs> and so right. it, it is that kind of funny um feeling to it but the the extra clause that like the coven which is like the aggro type ability um lets you exile it later is fantastic also being able to it costs one so if you need to double spell or something having cards that only cost one that also remove stuff super helpful need to flip your opponent's werewolves mm -hmm. get him back to the weak side the weak human side yeah this is awesome because we're right in line i had candle trap as my number two and i was close to picking it as number one actually but it ended up it ended up falling at number two for me um basically what you said yeah it's kind of an interesting design because it's good in both aggro and control i think because the control player doesn't really care that their opponent's creature can still block Mm -hmm. And the aggro player is likely to enable Coven and get rid of the creature forever. Granted, it probably has blocked once or twice before you did that. But, yeah. But like, you could easily have this as just a four mana O-Ring kind of effect in yeah. that deck, right? Exactly. And so, like, that makes it great as part of just, like, literally four... Like, if you look at it that way, four mana exile something if you have three creatures with, you know, right. a little claws. Um that's still pretty awesome. I do think it's really good in the the control deck because it's just super cheap removal while you can double spell and do something else. Yeah, it's just hyper-efficient there because you probably don't care that you've left them with a defender. Mm -hmm. But um, if we're making a ton of creatures anyway in these coven decks, you're just trying to get around stuff, making sure they can't crack back at you or getting rid of their one huge werewolf sounds sounds great to me. That they're, like, yeah. they're investing a bunch of time into one big creature. Um, I think it's it's gonna be great. Yeah, this looks great. At the end of the day, you spent one white mana too. Like, what did you expect for that cost? Yeah, exactly. You didn't expect quite this much. There have been other cards that are similar to this. I think Theros had one that was it cost uh, two and a white initially to keep it from attacking and blocking, and then you could exile it later for a, a similar right. amount of mana. Totally different story. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the the mana cost is really attractive to me. I, I do like cards that cost one. Yeah, I think this will be a high pick for sure. Absolutely. 
So, my number one white common for Midnight Hunt. Um, I think this is going to be Cathar Commando, which is one and a white for a 3-1 human soldier with flash, and you can pay one to sacrifice it and destroy target artifact or enchantment. So, I know this might be different than what you think, but... <laughs> so, <laughs> hear me out. Um, this was not what I picked, spoiler alert. Yeah, the spoiler alert. And I had thought about the one that you picked, so... Um, mm -hmm. But I also decided to keep it off I my also list. considered this card as well. I thought... I remember thinking, oh, that card's pretty good. I'll log it in the back of my mind as I read through the, the rest of the commons. Yeah. It, having a C in its name meant it came up pretty early. But. Exactly. Um, but anyway, so... Uh, Two mana, three, one, which is nice if you're just trying to enable some coven super early with your other things. If you have, like, any of the, like, the two drop coven creatures could be helpful. Also, the fact that it has flash, I love because at it's very, at the very least, it's a, it's a creature that's attacking. And when you don't need it, you can either destroy somebody else's candle, like, trap that's on you or any other problematic artifacts or enchantments that are hanging about. And... You can always just pay three to instant speed, destroy an artifact or enchantment, which I think helps it a lot. <clears throat> if it didn't have flash, I wouldn't like it nearly as much. Uh, but being uh -huh. able to ambush a creature on their turn or also mitigate how you want your spells to be played. If you happen to have a werewolf that you're trying not to change or something, you can play it on their turn. Uh, so I do like that versatility. I think that the timing of your spells is going to be important in the set. So that's a big reason why I picked that one. Yeah, it's a cool card. I mean, it does seem like there's a, a healthy amount of enchantment-based removal because that's usually what you're looking for in Limited is, yeah, I think you said getting the candle trap or something. And, mm -hmm. Like, that's what you really want to be hitting with this. Um, and so the amount of the opponent's removal that's going to be enchantments makes this go up or down. I do really just like the idea that I can use this as a three-mana naturalize or whatever if I really want to mm -hmm. uh, like because it has flash it, it basically plays that way where you could kill their candle trap and ambush the creature they had under it in combat or you could ambush it with this like mm -hmm. it plays both ways <clears throat> um, yeah it seems pretty good I'm reserving judgment to see how prevalent artifacts and enchantments and how good they are in the format though I think because while I'd mostly still just be pretty close to playing a two mana three one with flash like i think that's pretty close to acceptable and limited to maybe even downright decent um i do need that other ability to be good before i put this in my top three absolutely i i totally get that <laughs> um but with that being said what's your number one for white common so the card I ended up picking is actually a card I scrolled right past in the originally, and then I went back and read it. I was like, wait a minute, this is actually just kind of a lot. So this is Gavany Silversmith. It's a four mana, two, three. Yeah, you heard that. Four mana, two, three. <laughs> and when it enters the battlefield, you put a plus one, plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures. So... It can't just come in as a 4-5. Otherwise, I think it'd be like almost no debate about how good this is. Yeah. But it can make itself a 3-4 and one other thing, a plus one, plus one counter. And then it just scales up from there. If you have two creatures out, you can opt to put the two counters on them. There, were, I just remember there were cards like this. I think it was in um, Cons of Tarkir, maybe. 
when they had the whole uh, Abzan was plus one plus one counters kind of thing going on, there were comments like this that just ended up being amazing, like way better than you might read at first glance. So that's why I had to reread this one and like, oh wait, this is kind of like those cards that used to be, that turned out to be the best green common or whatever in, in those older formats. So I'm happy to give it another chance here. Um, and I think it has added utility with Coven now because this basically is like a Coven enabler in itself. If you have two creatures, it sounds like it'd be difficult to not find a way to put the counters on that enabled Coven, right? Mm -hmm. Like you get to choose any two of them and buff them by one. Yeah. So if you have two one ones, you play this, now you have Coven. Exactly. Um, you also have the choice not to put a counter on if you if you desperately need that. Um, if you have right. a bunch of two power stuff, you could <laughs> Which I could actually see coming up. I mean, mm -hmm. I'd like if the coven ability you're turning on is powerful enough that you're willing to give up the plus one plus one counter, like that could be a thing. Yeah. Um, this is also a card that I was looking at um, for the list as well, so I wasn't surprised when you put this at number one. Um, mm -hmm. I uh, it, so this reminds me of what was that one cat from M twenty one that had lifelink? It was a similar type of thing. It was like a a four mana yes, yes. two three that could put counters on a couple things, mm -hmm. um, and that ended up being the same type of thing where it looks innocuous when you're just like drafting it, but it ends up playing really well. And fitting, right. it always makes it like, oh man, if you just didn't have that one extra counter on something, this attack wouldn't be as strong as it is. Um, so I do think that this will be a role player and definitely a piece that you're looking for when you're make uh, you're making Coven decks. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, if these start, yeah, I'm kind of leaning on the Coven mechanic a bit here because this type of card is good in go wide strategies. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that the that's presence of Coven means exactly. that that's a strategy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I could definitely see this card uh, breaking out and doing well, um, but hopefully not better than Cathar Commando because I want that. I want to rub it in your face <laughs> that you didn't pick. Yeah, that one. totally. <laughs> uh, and I was I had Candle Trap at number one, and then I switched them, and it was mostly because it's more fun to not put the efficient removal spell at number one. Exactly. Take it. Make an actual prediction. Although you'll see later on that I didn't always stick to that regime. Yeah, I think that I I had Kennel Trap at number one first, and then I went through all the other cards, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna switch some of this stuff up a little bit. <laughs> then you did the old head-to-head -head battle: who wins between Candle Trap and Kamar Cathar Commando? Mm -hmm. like, well, Cathar Commando could blow it up. There so. you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Jeff, let's move on to blue. Do you want to start first? Yeah, you started last time, so I feel like it's fair. Only fair. Okay, so my pick number three for a str third strongest common in blue in a Strat Midnight Hunt is called Revenge of the Drowned. It's three and a blue for an instant. Target creature's owner puts it on the top or bottom of their library. You create a 2-2 black zombie creature token with Decayed. Um... Yeah, I think this card is okay. I, I think I tend to overrate a little bit Decayed, uh, like how valuable that zombie token is, because to me it seems pretty good, but the way they've powered some of the cards with Decayed on them seems to suggest to me that the designers do not think it's good. So I had to like temper my expectations with all the Decayed cards, because like, if you just read, oh, do this and make a 2-2, two -two, you're like, that card's insane. So the 2-2 two -two must be so much weaker than, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm kind of anticipating. 
Um, but also, I got to be honest, I was kind of struggling for blue here. So I, <laughs> I, I this is what I came up with. <laughs> I 100% understand what, how you're feeling about this. Um, and I also looked at this card because obviously, you know, um, once you just look at the commons of a set, you can quickly see like, oh, there aren't actually that many choices for the best ones, right? It, um, right. Quickly, you can be like, oh, these ones seem strong. The other ones seem maybe situational and some of them seem not the best. Um, right. So the thing I didn't love about Revenge of the Drowned is that your opponent can choose whether they put it on the top or the bottom. And I wish that it was always on the top just to hose their... I don't like to give them agency. I think that would be a, that would card would be great if they had that because then it's like one mana less than totally lost. Exactly, and makes a two two. So that would be very strong, um, and that's kind of what I would want. The fact that they can decide that they don't want to draw it again makes it be like ah, uh, yeah. it, it that bummed me out too. It bums you out a little bit, but I do want to talk about quickly before we continue. The I wanted to find a time to talk about the the decayed tokens. So okay. All of the zombie tokens in the set have decayed, uh, which basically means they can't block, and whenever they attack, you have to sacrifice them at the end of combat. So they only get one... So every zombie in the set is, like, brain-dead. Well, well, they're also dead, so whatever. Sure. But they, I think it's a super flavorful mechanic, by the way. I think it's oh, really it, cool. it is super flavorful. Like, they can't do anything to protect you, and they also can't attack very well. They basically have one swing, and then they fall and... F- like break apart like that's what crumple yeah (laughs) um aside from that i think decayed is a weird naming of the mechanic i wish it they had decaying or something um right uh instead of like a past tense i mean i guess it's already kind of pretty worthless yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's already mostly decayed yeah so so maybe that's why they chose the this wording um, but like you were saying, like you're, we're looking at all these cards that like have decayed. There's the one we were talking about earlier, Startle, which is one in a blue for an instant. The creature gets minus two, minus zero, and then you create a decayed zombie creature, mm-hmm. and you draw a card. And it's like, oh, well, maybe these zombies aren't that strong. I was looking at Falcon. Uh, Falcon. Ugh, sorry. <laughs> Falcon Abomination. Falcon Abomination. Which is yeah. uh, two in a blue for a 2-2 two, two with flying, so it's a wind drake. And then it creates a 2-2 zombie with Decayed. And I was like, oh my god. I know, but I first read that too, and then I had to look at the symbol, and like, it's a common. Okay, so these tokens really suck, because yes. if they didn't, this card would be absurd. So what... Uh, spoiler alert, I didn't pick any cards that had Decayed on it, because I didn't... Um, so you wanted to steer clear of I, I, <laughs> guessing whether the Decayed was good or not. Yeah, I, I was very conscious of, I don't know if I like these at all, I think what I yeah. want them to do, or there's two things I want them to do. Either they're awesome for sacrificing, especially at instant mm-hmm. speed, because you can attack, and if they don't block or whatever, because they don't want to trade off their creature with a stupid card that's going to die anyway. Yeah. Um, so sacrificing it at instant speed seems really awesome. Or there are a number of cards that say tap a number of creatures and then do an ability. Mm-hmm. And so having a bunch yeah. of them out just as, like, I don't know, kind of poles to just like tip over for like they just kind of tap for a while until you have to alpha strike um right could be interesting i don't know how strong that is but i like that utility i basically just never want to attack with them not until you You have to use them for some other exactly yeah if your opponent said two maybe you get in there but but it is nice because then you might be able to put um some of the sacrifice cards be a bit stronger because 
they don't have the utility of the the blocking one ones as well where like mm-hmm. a, a one one human that doesn't die when it attacks and it can block the biggest thing is, is it can jump block um right making it so oh these ones don't do that but maybe the sac- the cards that sacrifice stuff are stronger because the tokens you would sacrifice are weaker is an interesting mm-hmm. idea i i do like where they're going i just don't think they're going to be very strong yeah, I'm hoping that they are. Like, I've found that just having bodies always surprises me how useful that is. You mm-hmm. know, like, even the goat token from, what, you know, uh, uh, that rare that yeah, just yeah. is rotating out now, so I've already erased it from memory, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, that always surprised me. That's like, this card is so much better than it would be if it did not make the goat token. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'm... I'm I'm hoping we can find some uses for these decayed tokens that actually make this upside, but I've kind of regressed to, I'm just going to evaluate what these would be without those and then hope that I can get upside out of them later, but, you know, try to see if I would play the card without, if it didn't make any of these tokens. Yeah. I'm guessing the tokens are kind of bad. Yeah, they, they seem uh, not... Fantastic. But um, that does lead me to my number, uh, th- my third best blue common, um, which is a surprise to me. It took me a while to figure out which one I was going to choose. I almost mm-hmm. picked Falcon Abomination because I was like iffy about it. I just love Windrake so much. I was like, maybe. That's who it was so between good. for me. Yeah. I was like, it's a Windrake. It can't be that bad. It can't bad. be that bad. But this one, I actually surprised myself in picking it. Um, but it's Component Collector. So it's two and a blue for a one for Homunculus. And it's one of those things where if, when it enters the battlefield, it becomes day if it wasn't day or night. And then it says, whenever day becomes night or night becomes day, you may tap or untap target non-land permanent. And the reason I think I like this card so much is because it's blue, so it's in non-werewolf colors, which is a big deal. Um, and basically what it says is, if you try to turn your werewolves into... If you try to make them stronger and go to night... I'm going to tap one of your creatures down. Or if something happens, I'm going, to, I'm going to tap your best attacker. Every time you're trying to like do a big flip or a big turn or, oh, you decide that you're not going to play any spells for that turn, I'm going to tap it down or anything like that. Um, I like that the day-night management of specifically being able to control their creatures, not only on what side they're on, but also if they're tapped or untapped. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough way to do it. So if I understand correctly... On my turn, I play two spells. That changes it to day. And then on their... That changes it to day on their upkeep. On my upkeep. Like, if you cast two spells on your turn... I cast two spells on my turn. Like, as the owner of Component Collector. Yes. Their werewolves will transform on their upkeep. Mm -hmm. Because it will become night or day. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you tap something. Correct. So certainly it's before they're untapped, or after they're untapped. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like you're not uh, waiting for them to begin combat and then getting to tap their best thing down. No. And it ever, because it's never changed. It's always changing on an upkeep, At the right? beginning, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they change it, then you're, like, tapping them on your, your turn. But I can also... Which I guess is good if you're trying to attack. Yeah, either that because I'm trying to attack, or I can tap or untap any of the things that I want. I don't know if I have any utility stuff, but I do like a three mana one four that does something dumb. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, I, I can see it. This seems like pretty hard to manage so that you're always coming out on top, but 
It could. It could work. I can I can see it being a card I pick often because <laughs> I think it's gonna I think I like the minor upside, I think, of being able to make sure that I can if I have one of these guys out, I'm tapping their best werewolf. If I have two of them out, I'm tapping their two best werewolves. Um and but if, like you, it's, if you don't play it's against so someone hard to like make that happen. If you don't play against <laughs> someone who has werewolves, it's not very good. But Okay, so you're not planning on like playing this with cards that initiate day or night to get some advantage. You're just hoping your opponent's doing that. That's it. That's... <laughs> and you're going to tap stuff. Okay. That's literally <laughs> it. Behind that. <laughs> um, I do want to say that the reason that I picked this is also because it was the bottom of the barrel on blue, and I was like, you know what? Let's fucking go. The blue does not seem deep. That's no, it's not very commons, deep. It was either... And like I was telling you before, I missed the flip cards, so I, I was like, what the hell am I going to pick? <laughs> so it was either <laughs> this card... Um, which I just wanted to talk about because I thought it was interesting, at least. Uh, mm -hmm. And the other one I was considering was Consider. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, Consider is like a pretty impactful card, I think, in the set, but I don't know if it's going to be that good in limited. Oh, no. I also wanted to go on a rant about how much you hate those cards, so I thought that they would oh, be... <laughs> They're the worst. <laughs> and I'm glad we have eight of them in Historic now. It's, it's good. More of more more cantrips. It's, it's great. Yeah. Um, let Jeff, let's just move on. Let's keep just blazing through blue because yeah. uh, we've yeah. talked about enough about blue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, with number two, best second best common in blue, I selected Locked in the Cemetery. This one was nice to see because as soon as I read the first half of them, I was like, this card must be in my top three by the end, right? Because mm -hmm. it actually does something. Uh, so this is one in a blue for an enchantment or enchant creature. When it ETBs, if there are five or more cards in your graveyard, you tap the creature down, and the enchanted creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. This is a great design of one of these cards, because in the early game, they're going to attack you, and you'll play this, and then there's sort of no quote-unquote downside. And then in the later game, it will tap the creature for you. Mm -hmm. I guess maybe if you wanted to get rid of like a two-drop or three-drop blocker in your aggressive deck, this wouldn't be the best, but... Like, when does that come up? If you're aggressive, the problem with these cards that don't tap something is they don't tap the blocker or they can still use the body. But it's like, if you're aggressive, then presumably by that point in the game, you will be close to hitting this. And if you're control, then you don't care because they're attacking you and you don't need to have the five cards in your graveyard. Mm -hmm. So um, this just looks like a really solid version of this effect. Not quite as good as the white cards that are enchantment-based removal, but that's typical, right? Like, blue has the worst removal. Exactly. This is what this is what you get, and this is a little better than what you usually get. I and and I th yeah, I was going to agree. This is this one seems pretty good to me, um, especially because we're coming from AFR, which had two versions of this type of enchantment tappy thing, um, and they were not great. Like, no, they to the point where I mean, one of them was okay because red was the best color. Yeah, so and it was like a hoser for red. But. but besides that, like this one is 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 nice, especially because if the, if blue ends up being not great again, if we have another uh, format where it's just like ah, blue's not the best, it doesn't cost double blue to play this common, right? It only costs one. Right, usually these claustrophobia type effects called that because they're named after that card, which mm -hmm. is one blue blue. So the, because it it costs a mana less and it's not double blue, I, I'm. 
really high on this, and that's the reason why I picked it for number one. I'm just gonna spoil it. I, I picked this for number one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how else to you were gonna. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I think this card it reminds me of Bubble Snare. I loved Bubble Snare. So, I don't think it's quite as good because Bubble Snare was one mana to exactly. the first half, and then you had the option to kick it. But I don't know. This is cheaper than a kicked Bubble Snare, I guess. It's true. Um, and will happen a lot of the time, I think. Uh, so, mm -hmm. like you were saying, if people swing in at you early, you can you know, stop that attacker and leave it down, and then later you'll get in. So, seems good to me. Yeah. Uh, I like it. Also, it just the, the story of the person trying to get out of the cemetery as the zombies come and eat them Ooh, buddy <laughs> plus i love the flavor text i was about to say that help i'm not a zombie let me out <laughs> <laughs> oh how horrifying nobody's buying it pal yeah that's exactly that's ex what a zombie would say <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what i was gonna say oh perfect all right so uh going to my number two for the best blue common since we know what uh, my number one is i have picked Gale Drifter, which is three and a blue for a three-two Hippogriff, which it has flying, and it has Disturb for four and a blue, and its transformed version is a two-two with flying. I just think that yeah. uh, you know of the commons, this is the blue common that has Disturb, and oh no, no, there's two. Sorry, there's two with Disturb, but this one has flying. It's a four mana three-two, which is great. It's just it's really vanilla. But it's just going to be that card that's like, oh, god damn it. They have a 3-2 with flying yeah. is real, and then when it dies, it comes back as a 2-2 with flying, which is still real. Like, it's just going to be so yeah. annoying. There are formats that have been, like, more recent than you might think, where Snapping Drake was just a good card, and that's a 4-mana 3-2 flyer. Yeah. And it doesn't have the Disturb. And like I said, you know, before, Disturb is very powerful limited ability. Um, so... I picked this as my number one. Hey, there you go. <laughs> and again, I also, I think it was fairly close, and I gave the tiebreaker to not the removal spell, just because, you know. Yeah, give it give it something. But I, I, do, I do think you might be right, possibly. Like, obviously, well, as I say that, because I literally just said that I am the opposite of you. <laughs> but I, I think that in a deck, most of the time, I would want to have the 3-2 the flyer to be mm -hmm. attacking quickly. Though... You know, once again, the, the whole trick of locked in the cemetery, even though this has flying, you can still lock it in the cemetery, so. That's right. <laughs> it doesn't have to make sense, folks. It, it, never, it never does. So all you do is you lock it in the cemetery. It doesn't fly out, uh, but it also doesn't die and become a ghost like things do in the cemetery. Yeah, so. but it could... Good answer. If it blocks a zombie, which were in the cemetery, it will die and then turn into a spirit. So at least that's on point. Okay. <laughs> if, it, if it was locked in the cemetery and still untapped, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it is actually, you know, good point about this locked in the cemetery, like this enchantment-based removals that it gets around Disturb because it doesn't kill them. Exactly. So, like they don't just get the creature back. And be like, ah, whatever, your, your red or black removal doesn't matter. Um, yeah, if you're locking it or you got a candle trap, you're like, well, actually, you can't do any Disturb stuff with it. So there's even a yeah. white card that specifically kills creatures with Disturb or spirits. So 
Yeah, I think that card's pretty bad, but... It, it looks pretty bad, but uh, what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't put that in my deck if I were you. No. That card is called Thraben Exorcism, so just... Uh, if you're playing best of three and your opponent has a ton of disturbed stuff, you can side it in. Yeah, but that's... I'm a, sure you'll have a bunch in your sideboard, so... Yeah, I guess it also destroys an enchantment. <laughs> Anyway, let's let's, let's just, move on. I, I don't, I don't want to shit talk the cards too much. Let's go to black. Yeah. Um, I can I can start with black. I have a weird one for my third. Um, just because I thought you know might as well just throw something in, right? Yeah, let's have some fun with it. You know, like you got to take the big shots sometimes. So that's, that's what we're doing. That's what this is. We're yeah. taking big shots with little cards. Um, yeah. So my third best black common for limited is Ecstatic Awakener. It's one black mana for a 1-1 one, one human wizard, and it has an activated ability that is two and a black for, uh, sorry, the activated ability is two and a black, sacrifice another creature. You get to draw a card and then transform it. You can only do this once per turn, by the way, so you can't draw a bunch of cards, but uh, it transforms into just a vanilla 4-4 demon. It's an awoken demon. It's woke. Um, but the reason I like this card is because I, I really like one drops that get better late game or later mm -hmm. in the game. Um, especially because this not only makes you sacrifice something, but you do get the extra card for the creature that you sacrificed, which perked my interest a bit more than a lot of other ones that do this kind of stuff. Um, I really like it when they're like, oh, sacrifice something now, get, get some more later. Uh, that is quite nice. But um, also, this is an instant totally. speed ability. So, mm -hmm. you can... I think that's what I, I didn't realize the first time I read it, because I always just assume stuff like this. I see the rider at the end activate only once each turn, and I, my mind, like, auto-corrects it to activate only as a sorcery or something. Yes. That's usually how these things work. Most of the time. But this one, you can do it. You can attack them with a 1-1, one, one, and then they have to decide whether they want to block or not, and if you're going to sacrifice a creature and eat their thing or make it a 4-4, four, four, and you can... You have all the, you know, all the cards are in your in your hand i guess so those games are yeah. super fun i mean those are the part of a huge reason why i play magic because i like doing shit like that so um yeah seems and you know like not casting your spells and using this instead has a new a new context context in this uh set in particular right exactly so um as we're going to go through and talk about we we personally and i think a lot of people feel this way but um Obviously, deciding when you're going to cast spells from your hand is super important. So having the abilities that upgrade your creatures on the battlefield, activated abilities specifically, really make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. So um, being able to be like, oh, well, I played this early enough that it didn't matter about the werewolf crap, and now I can make it big enough to fight with a werewolf is, is going to be great. Yeah. I mean, I love this type of card, so I really hope you're right. I just think the one one for one is too bad, so you need to like do all the other stuff to even have this card in your deck. Yeah, and so I'll, I'll wait and see to see if if it is strong enough. But this is another one of those cards where I was like, hey, maybe those two two decaying zombies do have a use, you know? That's right. Yeah, that's true. So good, good sack fodder. Good sack fodder. Yeah, my number three top black common pick was. It's a boring one, but it's Vampire Interloper. It's one and a black for a 2-1 Vampire Scout with flying, and it can't block. Interesting. I mean, this seems like a card I would pick. <laughs> you know? This is just a two-power flyer for two, man. Yeah. 
I mean, that's still that's, pretty good. That's got to be pretty solid. If black is any as uh, aggressive at all, and I, my uh, understanding is that the vampire deck is aggressive, so the red-black archetype is mm -hmm. meant to be the aggro deck of the format, and I think this is a card you're just going to see a lot of because it's just a two-power flyer for two. Yeah, I mean, hey, in um, Strixhaven, we were playing... There was that poet that was like a 2-1 that you had to pay three life or something to give it flying, and we used that all totally, the time. Totally, yeah. So... And I remember, this is like Welkin Turn, but with a less relevant creature type. And I remember old formats where Welkin Turn was just the best, and that was in blue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a blue aggro deck. Um, so, I don't know. Could be wrong about this. Depends on how the format shakes out, of course. Um, but it seems to me like flyers are annoyingly like good in this format, and this one's a two-power one for yeah. two. So It's true. Um, it will be interesting. Part of the reason flyers are annoyingly good is something we'll get to a little later. But yeah, um, it is interesting. I wonder how many disturbed creatures will come back and either block this thing. I mean, like it's not. You we do have more access to flyers than a lot of times. You have a lot of creatures mm -hmm. that don't have flying and then get flying later. You're dead, man. Before you're paying six mana to bring back your disturbed creature. <laughs> I guess that that is kind of true. Um, there are a couple things that have like uh, that make one ones, but. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, we'll, we will have to see. Yeah, 1-1 one, one flyers are not what the Vampire Interloper wants not to see. Not at all. Yeah, it really ruins its, uh, its whole day. Um, but we, like you said, we will have to see um, about what's going on. Uh, my second black common, um, which I think we can kind of bury the lead. These two are not really exciting. Um, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't have anything more interesting to tell you other than that. It, there's no way you can cut it differently but um, we do have mm -hmm. a different order though so my second best is defenestrate which is the two two and a black for an instant destroy target creature without flying right and then my number one is olivia's midnight ambush which is one and a black for an instant target creature gets minus two minus two and if it's night it gets minus 13 minus 13 instead yeah so we could talk about them in your order i guess uh defenestrate that's just a pretty good removal spell with it has a, a it has a real downside, right? Destroy target creature without flying. Mm -hmm. But when I was looking through black, it's like there's so much removal in this set that uh, I think you will be able to kind of time this so that you'll use your better removal um, or other removal on the flyers and this will kill something big or it'll you kill your opponent's bomb or something. Mm -hmm. And out of a common, you can't expect much more than that. This is kind of what I was saying, that flyers are going to be kind of annoying, because I think this card will be, at since it's at common, this will be a lot of black decks kind of go-to. And, mm. yeah, yeah. they'll get beat down by that 3-2 that we talked about earlier. Exactly. So, so this is why I have, so we have ours flipped, is what we're trying to say. I, I said Olivia's Midnight Rush, or Run, or whatever. Uh, ambush. ambush. <laughs> midnight Run. That's a movie. Midnight Run is a movie. Anyway. Um, uh, <laughs> midnight Ambush. I have that as number one. But Jeff has that at number two. And then Defenestrate, yeah. you have as number one. And I have as number two. And the reason I picked Olivia's Midnight Ambush as number one was because of the annoying two power flyers that I hate and that this card kills right. them. And Defenestrate does not. Yeah, the only thing I kind of wanted to just mostly make a point, because I think you'll have to play the format to really know which one's going to be better, is that if you haven't played with cards that care if something has died yet, especially removal spells, they are not, a, it is not as easy as you think. Like, I think a lot of people look at this and assume that in limited, this is always like turned on and it's just a two mana minus 13, minus 13. 
but there have been cards similar to this in the past, and it's like, because this is the removal spell that you're trying to get them with in combat or before combat, it actually is very, like pretty rare that this actually gets turned on. The reason I think this one will be there more often is because I like that it does two things. So it kills the flyers that you don't like in against those matchups, and then in the matchups against the werewolves, which want it to be nighttime so that they're bigger, it's also there to kill those big werewolves as well. Oh, holy shit, I thought this had morbid. No, it's if no. it's night? If it's night, the creature gets minus 13. Oh, oh well, this will never be doing that then. So, like, <laughs> yeah, but... It, I thought it was, for some reason, I thought it was tragic slip, it, it, that's, basically. That's basically what it looks like, right? It looks like tragic slip. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's if it's night, it gets minus 13, minus 13. So, Ooh. it does make it interesting for the werewolf players to play against a black deck and know, okay... Do I want to turn on Knight or not? Because there is a common card that kills any werewolf during nighttime. Right. Which also gives us a lot of story elements because apparently Olivia must come and kill a bunch of werewolves at night because that's what this card does. But um, yeah. anyway. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, so this plays more similarly to like the color hate cards or something. Yes. It's, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's totally playable. And then if you're against this deck, it's awesome. In my mind, it was kind of like, it kills the Annoying Flyer, unless you're playing against the Werewolves, which will also kill their biggest stuff when it's biggest. If, it, if they okay. decide to play where they're going to play during the daytime, it makes it really difficult. And they would have to specifically play around it, where then you have Defenestrate to kill those things. So, I think I'll keep my order the same, but let's... I'm excited Helpful. to find out. Yeah, see, I do want to ask, so Defenestrate, is that the champion of the parish that's getting thrown out of the building? That turns into champion of the parished? Uh, oh, I hope so. That's, that's awesome. what I was it thinking. It does look like He him. has the same hat, yeah. right? Yeah, he has the hat. That's true. So I was thinking like, oh, the champion of the parish gets thrown out of the, the church and killed and then becomes champion of the parish. And I was like, well... Fuck the church, you know? <laughs> gonna... yeah. that's. I just love the champion of the perished card in general. Oh, it's so good. I, was like, I love the cutesy shit like that. I'm like, oh, it's the same thing, but it's black, and it's the same guy, but he died. And yeah. It's it's, it's so nice. There's a bunch. Of, if you haven't seen these things before, they do this all the time in Magic, and it's mm -hmm. phenomenal. So go. we were already talking about the Delver Secrets thing, so go check out all those cards if you if you want just like blue commons and uncommons i think it's a common uncommon and then a rare is what it went through um but uh they did this with sun titan and uh, a couple other cards it's uh it's good it, yeah it's, it's really cool when you read a card and you appreciate it on that extra level too yeah it's just a nice little thing exactly we talk about this in some of our episodes um a bunch of different ones so anyway it is it is nicer if you focus too much on the mechanics sometimes uh you miss some of the really cool things about why the game's awesome um yep but yeah anyway uh honorable mention in this category before we move on to red i just thought i think siege zombie is pretty interesting just as far as uh that's one of the creatures where you can tap other untapped zombies right to hurt your opponent be like all right well mm -hmm. These three zombies can't attack you, but they can tap to deal one damage to you. <laughs> yeah, man. And if you get, like, nine decayed zombies, you're just draining for three every turn. Not even draining, just hurting them. 
You don't even sorry, get you're, you're just they're losing three life every time. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. I bet it's a two two for two, right? And there's zombies good type, so that could be a totally reasonable thing to play. Yeah, it, it could you have a that, bunch of decayed synergies. That's what I'm thinking. Like it might be usable, but like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just don't but that's one right. of the ones I We'd would have to play. We have to play. We're gonna have to lose to this before I'll be like, Oh, okay, that was pretty sick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh Perfect. So, Jeff, do you want to jump into our red commons? Yeah, I think we should move through red fairly quickly because it was another one of those colors where I was kind of struggling. But my number three pick is Harvest Tide Infiltrator. Okay. Two and a red for a 3-2 trample with Daybound. Nightbound version is a 4-4 trample. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. This is just stats, right? Yeah. It's just pretty good. 3-2 trample for three. Not that bad. And if you can turn it into night and get a 4-4 trample, you only paid three mana for, uh, that's pretty solid. Yep. Pretty solid limited common. Yep. I uh, I was also looking at this one. Um, seems pretty solid. One of the ones that you'd want in your like uh, werewolf decks, just like, I don't know all the other mm-hmm. uh, three drops in that in that slot, but you know, hey, having trample that, because obviously a lot of them, like a lot of the werewolves transform with like the ability from the front side goes to the back side as well. Um, and trample is a really big one, right? You you want uh, yeah, obviously exactly. just getting a stat boost. Trample is one of the best ones you could possibly get from a stat boost. So seems good. Yep. Um, trample is what you want on your on your wolf side. Yeah, yeah, you do like that. Um, I picked one that uh, I'm not. I picked it for third because I wanted to talk about it. It's like the blue one that I picked. Uh, mm-hmm. I I picked it because I wanted to talk more about it, but. Um, Famished Foragers is three and a red for a 4-3 vampire. And when it enters the battlefield, if your opponent lost life this turn, you get to add red, red, red to your mana pool. And then it also has an activated ability that's two and a red. You get to discard a card and then draw a card. Um, As far as the design of this card, so there is a strategy with the vampires, which is the aggro deck, which is if your opponent lost life this turn, your vampires get to do more stuff. Uh, Obviously, this Mm -hmm. is one of them. But the... Ability here, I think, is so interesting to have an enter the battlefield effect that either gives you a quote unquote enter the battlefield abil- like ability, which you, it essentially says if your opponent lost life, you get to draw a card, or so you get to discard a card, the draw a card when it enters the battlefield because it gives you the mana to pay for the activation. Or ability. just cast something if that's better. Or cast something else. So this card specifically, I think, is designed really well to be like if you want it to stay whatever day or night it is, you can play it and discard a card, draw a card, and that will be that. Or you can use the mana that you got to make it into what to uh, daytime if you have to. You can s- double spell because this one gives you the mana to play the second one. And I think that is super interesting. And again, I'm pushing for my third comments to be like, I really want this to work well. And if I can get somebody or use it in such an interesting way that I'd be able to capitalize on this like day bound night bound thing um mm-hmm. i think that sounds sweet so another card that gives you that ability to either change it or not change it and that's why i picked this card yeah i mean it's cool i'm not sold on whether i appreciate good. what they were trying to do with that but i i don't know <laughs> i i agree that probably just you know the the three two for three that turns into a four four trampler um or you know whatever 
uh, is probably going to fit in more decks and do more work. But I really want this one to do work, so I had to add it to my list. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I was actually wondering while you were explaining that too, just this two drop over that's the two one that does the damage even if it gets blocked might be the might best. end up being pretty good in the vampire decks. But yes, it uh, it also the Val uh, Falcon, Falcon Wrath, Wrath perforated. Yeah, yeah, Falcon Wrath. I was trying to do it with a Voldaren, <laughs> but Falcon Wrath. <laughs> no, that's the next set. Yeah, that's the next set. But Falcon Wrath, who's who's Falcon Wrath? Is that that's another vampire like? Uh, family right yeah falcon wrath is a family i think because there was like falcon wrath aristocrat back yeah. in the day so maybe they might be the groom we're still you know the jury's still out on the groom bridegroom thing yeah we'll, we'll have to wait a couple months to find out yeah exactly um let's let's blast through these uh, last two red cards and get to the the green ones um yeah we picked the removal spells yeah we picked the removal spells in the order you should pick them probably yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeff, do you want to read the uh, the first one? I'll read the second yeah. one. We'll go top down just to make it easy to remember. But the number one, then the number two. Number one, number two. All right. So the number one red common, almost assuredly, right? Like I'd, ha I'd have a hard time imagining this is not the case. But okay, it's Moon Rager's Slash, two and a red for an instant. Costs two less to cast if it's night. Deals three damage to any target. Yeah. Just that's just going to be a great limited card. You don't care if you spend three mana on this effect in limited. No. Like, that first rider is going to be upside on an already good card for limited and is mostly for constructed. If you are doing the werewolf thing and can turn this into lightning bolt, that's great. Yeah. Uh, but in limited, you're happy to pay three mana for this effect, so. Yeah, it seems, it seems awesome. It's just awesome. And I really like mm -hmm. it. I, I like giving, you know, hey, black had the, the great removal spell for if it's nighttime. Red also has one. They do different things. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's good design, and right. this one just seems sweet. So One was against werewolves. This one is a werewolf being more powerful yeah. when it's night. Well, so. well, kind of. It's also like one is... The black one makes the removal spell stronger, and the red mm -hmm. one makes the cost cheaper, you know? And so yeah, I, yeah, I, totally. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, that's a cool design. Um, but anyway, so this next one is actually a really old reprint that we, we both decided was the second best uh, uh, black common. And it's uh, Immolation, which is uh, a single red mana for an enchantment aura. And it just says Enchanted Creature gets plus two, minus two. And this card is like a reprint from like fourth edition or something. I used to have this card when I was a kid. That's why I remember it. I didn't even know this was a reprint, yeah. but I'm not surprised because it's like a weird thing that they used to do and, and they don't do a lot of stuff like this anymore. Yeah, it's like that, I don't know. Well, there used to be a bunch of red creatures that were like flow... Flowstone. Flowstone, flow yeah, yeah, that's what they're yeah. called. Uh, and so they had this ability where you get plus one, minus one, and so they could get really strong, but like get really weak on their the defense. Um, anyway, so this is the that type of thing. So either you can use it as a dead weight on another your opponent's creature, or make your, your creature even stronger, right? Um, right? So... I would mostly think of this as like a dead weight with minor upside. Exactly. It's, it's going to be... That's going to be much more common than using this to buff your creature's power. Exactly. That, that's basically what's going on with this one. Um, but yeah, also, like, hey, I saw on Twitter, I think somebody bought, like, a four copies of this card, but the fourth edition version with, like, white mm -hmm. borders or whatever. Um, and it was just uh, pretty sick to, <laughs> to be like, hey, you know, maybe, I don't know if I'll play this, but, like, it's cool to have the old ones. I'm like, absolutely, man. Yeah. 
Like it was printed. Anytime I draft, I'm going to swap it out for my other version. And they'll be like, wait, what? Don't, no, you can't, you can't just swap out. No, I, I swear I got this from the draft. It's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah. Great. Let's, uh, let's jump into to green real quick. I don't know. Also, I'm just going to take a quick pause. I don't know if you can hear this outside, but it is storming quite a bit over here. Um, I got some thunder. I got some lightning and some rain. So We got rain on our end, but I'm not hearing the thunder and lightning. Just wait. It's coming to you. Uh, all right, Jeff. Well, I'm not hearing the thunder. I guess I'm also not hearing the lightning, but you didn't need to be told that. <laughs> um, I want you to talk about your first green card because I knew you were going to pick this one. Um, you knew it. I knew it, and I, I knew it. I got so excited when I read this one. I almost sent you a, a screenshot being like, oh, is this, the, is this the card that you're excited about? Yeah. <laughs> All right, give it to us. Okay, so my pick for third best green common, it's a tragedy that it had to go number three, but that's the way things line up, is Eccentric Farmer. This is two and a green. For a 2-3, when Eccentric Farmer enters the battlefield, mill three cards, then you may return a land card from your graveyard to your hand. Huh. It's Seder Wayfinder. It is. <laughs> for an ex- Almost. It's, it's an extra It's a lot worse, yeah. but it's still Seder Wayfinder. <laughs> it's not as many cards, uh, mm-hmm. and you have to pay an extra mana. But you get a 2-3. Instead of... Is it, so in limited, maybe it's even better. It could be. If that's possible. Yeah. It's a human peasant. It's like this old lady feeding a pumpkin to a centipede a giant centipede (laughs) yeah um no i love this card uh if you've never played with an effect like this it's better than it looks to just like a two three for three is fine but then to guarantee almost guarantee you hit your next land drop it's just super nice like this is pretty close to two three for three that draws a card i mean yeah and like that's that's pretty sweet it, it draws you know how many games have you been in where uh, you get stuck on three lands and can't do anything else. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. getting your fourth can be a big deal. So a card that specifically helps you work towards that while feeding your graveyard so that you can do some graveyard synergies. It seems great. Yeah, I love this card. I wanted to put it number one, but green has some good some good comments. It really does. There are some really good ones. Um, so my third uh, best green common is similar to your third best red common. But I liked uh, Tireless Hauler. So it's four and a green for a four or five with Vigilance. It's a werewolf, and it flips into a six six with Vigilance. Um, I just think this, you know, is it doesn't do the same thing as a lot of the big dumb commons that we've had in the last couple sets, where it's like, hey, I enter the battlefield, I cost six mana, I'm a seven six, and I gain you life or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But still having like a four or five or six six Vigilance that's just like a, this body that doesn't tap ever can be really hard to attack into and really hard to deal with when it's attacking you. Um, yeah. So I, I, That's a, it's a, it's a big creature. I think it's going to be like a big, annoying creature that you're like, damn it, this is always around. And like, I'm looking at it in draft being like, I don't think that's so great. And then when I play against it, I'm like, God damn it. This, this yeah, card gets me every so time. Big. Why is it so big? <laughs> you know? Um, so that's why like I was like, four or five vigilance for five is not that far off. Either, exactly. Of what you would just play. And a six, six is huge. Exactly. And at that point of the game, like you're going to play this on turn five on your top end. And then the next turn, you're just going to pass and turn it into a six, six. And you're like, there you go. Also, because you can still attack with it as a four or five and have a blocking six, six on your next turn. Cause you're like, okay. Oh, true. So that's, that's going to be cute. How you can, you know, 
just not play anything, attack with the four or five, and then have and then, a six six back. Yeah. Um, so that's I think that's going to be super annoying. Um, and this card's just going to do more work than it's uh, it's supposed to, or not supposed to, but what you think it's going to do. It's no Seder Wayfinder, but yeah. I guess it's, okay. <laughs> it's it's definitely not <laughs> got some uh, the, the more fun stuff going on. Um, and then coming into our top two, uh, which one? What did you pick for number two? So I picked Duel for Dominance. This is the fight card of the set that we've just come to expect. I think mm -hmm. like every every set seems to have a green fight card that either uses the mechanics of the set or is flavored in a way that, you know, makes it relevant to the set. So this one is one in a green. It has Coven. It's an instant, which is always nice on these cards. Choose target creature you control and target creature you don't control. If you control three or more creatures with different powers, put a plus one, plus one counter on the chosen creature you control. Then the chosen creatures fight each other. So it's it sounds more complicated than it is. It's a fight spell that if you have Coven, puts a plus one, plus one counter on your creature. Yeah. So at first I read it, I was like, do they not fight if I don't have Coven? But that's not the case. So uh, this card would be pretty bad, I think, if, that, it if that's how it would be fucking garbage if it, that was how it worked. Yeah. Um, uh, they just kill one of your other creatures in response. And yeah, yeah. Your Coven spell is dead. Yeah. Oof. So, um, but no, yeah, I think it costs two mana. It's a fight spell at instant speed. Those are like the big things that I want in a fight spell for the most part. Um, cheap, instant speed, or huge. The fact that it doesn't buff it unless you have a bunch of other creatures uh, is kind of annoying because usually the like the buff can really get you over the edge early on, whether you can mm -hmm. dominate with the biggest creature or not. But I still think it's going to be super solid, and you're you're going to want a ton of these like in your green deck. Yeah, I think we know pretty much what to expect from this. Yeah. Right, it's an instant speed fight spell excuse me, that can sometimes buff power and toughness, those are always good. Yeah. Um, so I put this as number one, as you put it at number two, um, just because this is the card that I think, uh, if I see this go around, it's going to be like, who's not playing green? Like, no one's playing green then, because, like, this is the best green. Like, I'm I'm going to want this card. Yeah. Um, though I was back and forth with the one that you picked for number one, because I picked that for number two. Um, right. And I originally had this as number one, and then I ended up switching because I just knew, like, just the strength of fight stuff. But, whoa. Right. Now we're getting it. Here now it? we're getting it over here. We got, this is the, they really, whoa. That's really intense. Okay. Um, they really brought the, uh, the like, Innistrad soundtrack to this episode, I think. I, that's thank right, you. yeah. Uh, Toronto, that's so nice. Um, but anyway, so the second best common for green that I, I picked was a Shadow Beast Sighting, which is three and a green for a sorcery. It says create a 4-4 four, four green beast creature token, but it has flashback, which is six and a green for the same thing. Um, yeah, four, I mean, this card's just crazy. Yeah. Right? Like, a four mana 4-4 four, four that later you pay seven to make another 4-4, four, four, it's, it's going to be good. Like four mana 4-4s. Four, just like full stop mm -hmm. are in always in contention for the best green common yeah like maybe the you know the removal spell wins or whatever but it's always one of the top few green commons and i get to cast this one again i mean i know there is some downside to it being a token but 
like still. But not that much. <laughs> card seems crazy. Yeah, good. it's yeah. it seems really good, and that's why I was back and forth between whether I thought. So I really feel like they're kind of in contention. I can't until I play the set mm -hmm. and see how important it will be to remove remove key things early. Um, will I want Duel of Dominance or do I want the Shadow Beast Sighting, which just blocks all the small shit? And it's going to depend a little bit on your deck too. You know, like it's what, true. You know what color you're pairing it with. Um, obviously, if you need big creatures for Duel of Dominance to be good. So if your creatures are on the lower end, then you would want to take this to give yourself a big creature. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I also love that. Uh, hey, it's it's. They did a really good job of making it kind of like Bigfoot, who the way he's walking. It does, yeah. The, I thought the exact same thing too. So the shadow beast is being sighted like Bigfoot. Um, yeah, but yeah, basically those are our uh, our top commons for the set, or top common. Well, those are the the ones we think are going to be best, um, and I'm excited to to figure out. For the most part, usually what our third best uh, really will change right. to be. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, but famous last words. We'll, we'll see if... Uh, There's always a removal spell that you know you can't be too wrong on. Exactly. But then, you, you never know. Obviously, you have to play the cards to know how good they are. So um, maybe we'll reevaluate sure. this in a couple weeks and we'll see what, uh, what yeah. we really think. So Yeah, maybe all of these cards are unplayable. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's fucking Startles, the best blue common or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or right. whatever that card we were making fun of. That's definitely Thraven Exorcism. Yeah, it's actually the best, the best card of the set. And every other ability is terrible compared to Coven. Um. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll have to see. Um, but yeah. before we do that, I think it's time for last call. It's time for last call. There we go. Big reveal time. Three, two, one. Uh, okay. Not so. That might happen. Picked our own beers. <coughs> yeah. What are you going to do? You know, actually, coming into this, I thought I would pick the one that you brought for sure, because I've tried it before, mm -hmm. and I know that it's good. Um, but I think this one was just, it was just hitting me right tonight. You know? Yeah. And it's, it, it is interesting, because I went back and forth, actually, a couple times, um, and I ended up going with this one... Um, uh, well, actually, we're going to talk about that in a second, but I do want to talk about our rating system before we get into that. So, yes, that's wise. If you have listened to the show, you know that we rate all of our beers on a scale of bronze to mythic, which is, of course, the tiers in arena. So that makes sense. Um, and bronze beers are just absolute trash. You just you you have to pour them out because they're not worth tasting. Won't even finish it. Not even finishing uh, it. Silver is basically a macro brew. Uh, if you want some more detail on silver beers, go check out some of our silver series episodes. But yeah. they're macro brews or micro brews that are not particularly interesting. And gold is a beer that's fine, but you won't really drink it very often. Yeah, platinum is solid and you will drink it again. Diamond is exceptional and you would recommend it to one of your friends. And then mythic is the best of the best. You would recommend it to not only your friends, but to basically anyone who will listen. Yeah. Um, so going right into this, I think let's just start with Instigator, which is the one I was talking about earlier and jumped right sure. into the, the rating system. Um, so this is a West Coast IPA. Uh, you said that you've tried it before. I believe I tr have tried this before. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it basically delivers on uh, the West Coast kind of style. Um, just a nice, uh, not too heavy, but uh, good, and, good and cloudy and, and tasty. 
not too uh, bitter, which I like. Yeah, it's definitely got the West Coast style down. If you've ever had a West Coast style IPA, you, you probably know what we're talking about. Um, yeah, I think I had it because Indie Ale House is fairly prominent in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Like, it's around. It's not the, you know, it's not just everywhere and it's hard to avoid kind of thing. Um, but it's 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 prominent enough, basically. I remember they even do the beers for Italy and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I think that's where I actually tried it. I was in Italy when it had recently opened. And then it's like, oh, Indie Ale House does all your beers. Okay, and that's when I picked one of these up. But yeah, um, I definitely think they're they're a brewery that brewery that are worth checking out, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and um, I like this one. I think I'll probably. It seems pretty solid. I like it. That means like platinum mm-hmm. to me. Um, yeah, it, it, it's the one that I would want to bring camping just because if you open the chest of beer late at night, you're gonna scare the shit out of you, yourself or somebody else. <laughs> that seems great. Just keep one in the bottom yeah. of. Of the chest, have somebody dig around and, and hey, find can you this. grab me a beer, man? Yeah, <laughs> get get real. Uh, yeah, I'm happy with platinum for this. Mm-hmm. I think, like, I've had this in the past and I've liked it. I think more than I did tonight for whatever reason. I don't know if that was just like tonight. There felt like there was some sort of off flavor. So I don't know if that was the batch or just the beer I had before it. There's some sort of weird like sure. interaction going on yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But uh, that makes sense. I. I remember taking the first sip and being like, oh, I remember this being different. That's funny, because I took the but first sip and I was like, I remember this being th- what it is, the same. I remember this being this, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you just have a better memory than me. <laughs> um, or, uh, you know, I just had it first, like you were saying. Um, but yeah, going straight into the Voyager, uh, the one that you picked in Broads, um, what do, where are you putting this one? Yeah, like, I actually don't know quite how to, like, what category to put this in in terms of style it's kind of dark maybe even a little maltier than Mm -hmm. i was expecting it just wasn't you know what we usually think of as an ipa with no qualifiers on it you know yeah Um, but i think i kind of liked that so i think i'm still just gonna go platinum with it i don't Mm -hmm. i don't know if i could give it diamond but uh it just was refreshing in a way where like oh it's not like an East Coast West or West Coast IPA, or it's just kind of its own thing, and I appreciated that. Yeah, I also appreciated that, um, and I think a lot of it was more that I could t- definitely taste it. It was much maltier. You can tell in the color, but also like like that sweetness comes through, um, which mm-hmm. like you were saying is much different than like just a classic IPA is what you would expect. Um, but I liked it. The reason I didn't pick it was solely because I just wanted more of the juicy kind of West Coast stuff and just didn't right. feel like having another one of those at this moment. Um, but I would say it's mm-hmm. really on par with the other one. Very platinum. Um, yeah, it was pretty neck and neck. Yeah. I think I ju- made the same choice of just what I felt like drinking right now rather exactly. than which one I thought was better. Yeah, so I, I don't, yeah, that's exactly. I don't think either of them is better than the other. And I'm excited to drink the Voyager later tonight, um, but I just wanted an instigator right now. So, yeah, yeah. There we go. Platinums all around. That, that, I always like that at the end when everything gets at least a platinum. You know. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, after having a, a couple weeks of silvers, it's nice to have some platinum. So, that That's right. is good. But with that, I think we're coming to closing time. Closing time. <laughs> One last call for alcohol. You can always reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and at Instagram. You can also look for us on MTG Arena 
under the username Arena Regulars Podcast, I have a feeling there will be an uptick in sightings of our account name because we're going to be drafting. So you should also be drafting so you can see us. If you want to talk right. to me personally, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zulberg. That is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G. But Jeff, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at BluesBruiseMTG, B-L-U-E-S-B-R-E-W-S-M-T-G. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Follow us on all the places that you listen to us right now, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever you're listening to. I don't know what it is. Um, and just tell your friends and family if you like the show, um, your beer buddy that you want to get into magic or your magic buddy that you want to get into beer. Um, yeah. It works both ways. <laughs> it works both ways. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that Olivia's Midnight Ambush does not have morbid. Good night. That's fine.